0: Hello and welcome back for episode 38 of the Newbie Dentist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Omid Azami. In this episode, I'm actually just featuring an interview that I did for the Dental Head Start Podcast hosted by my good friend, Dr. David Kier. David is an associate dentist in Australia. He graduated in 2016 from uh, Sydney University and is doing a lot of great positive things for the dental community down here in Australia. And I am uh, certainly was proud to be uh, featured as a guest on, one, on his dental podcast. The Dental Head Start podcast and blog, I will link to both of them in the show notes. Um, Guys, a lot of great content, a lot of valuable takeaways, and uh, he's managed to have some great guests so far for his podcast series. So definitely check it out, and I'm sure you guys will get a lot of value from it as well. In this interview, uh, David uh, interviewed me, and it was uh, interesting to be on the other side of the microphone and be a guest for once instead of host. Uh, So now I can uh, sort of empathize with the guests that come on the podcast and how difficult it can be. We chatted about my history and, uh, you know, my journey through undergrad and getting into dental school, um, sort of my experiences in dental school and then going on to, you know, graduating and finding work and um, working in Canada and now working back in Australia. So we cover a lot of great topics. I hope you guys get some, you know, uh, at least entertainment, if not too much uh, information from it. But it is definitely a fun interview. And I I just uh, hope that you guys check out the other podcast interviews as well um, on the Dental Head Start podcast. Uh, without further ado, enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to the Newbie Dentist Podcast, the safe place for newbie dentists to connect, collaborate, learn, and grow. The Newbie Dentist Podcast aims to provide high-quality and high-value content for all the newbie dentists out there. With your host, Dr. Azami.
1: Welcome to the Dental Head Start podcast. This week we've got Amid Azami and Amid, he runs the Newbie Dentist podcast, which is an awesome podcast for new dentists that interviews people from all over the world. Amid started this um, a bit over a year ago now and he's produced quite a few podcasts that really have a lot of value. I started listening to this, it's something that actually inspired me to start my podcast. So I really do thank you Amid for that and welcome to the show. How are you going today?
0: I'm doing well, David. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, I must say, I'm a big fan of yours as well. I know you've uh, just recently launched, but I've had a you know the pleasure of listening to the first couple of episodes and uh, a lot of great content. Uh, and you've put it together really well, which makes me feel bad about my podcast now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I think that you know, I hope that I can share my your this uh, episode on my podcast as well to draw some listeners to you because I think uh, you actually you know putting a lot of great value into the dental uh, community that we have here. So I appreciate that.
1: Well, I really appreciate that. And I think we've got the same, same goals. We want to help students become good dental practitioners and helping people out as they transition. So, yeah, it's perfect. So, um, when you do a podcast, you usually start with an origin story. So do I. So, tell us, where were you born and how was your childhood years?
0: yeah uh so i was I was born in uh in iran and uh we immigrated when i was quite young uh about six uh, to canada in 1996 um so pretty much from grade one onwards uh, i was in canada um you know i was big into sports growing up i was obsessed with like hockey and soccer uh so pretty much until like second or third year of university that was probably like my main uh priority in life uh, was trying to be active and play sports and and, and compete and things like that so um soccer was a big part. And, you know, starting from like late elementary school, early high school, I started playing pretty competitive soccer. So a lot of my, you know, life lessons and the things I've kind of learned growing up, I think came through sports and team sports and, you know, working in groups with people and, you know, dentistry and you know healthcare in general. The exposure I had to that was kind of through my family. Uh, you know, my uncle's a doctor. We have like dentists and stuff in the family as well. Uh, so growing up, I more so just kind of admired their lifestyle and and the things that they had and the respect that they had like within the community um, and from like the family members. So that really drew me to like having that cool kind of profession that um, people kind of look up to you and you kind of feel responsible for uh, people's well-being. Um, in undergrad, you know, I was kind of doing like a sports science, uh, kinesiology degree, and uh, I was kind of struggling a bit to this at the start of it. Uh, I wasn't performing too well academically. I think sort of being away from home for the first time, you know, too much partying, too much drinking, uh, perhaps the academics slid. And, you know, unfortunately for me, you know, in elementary school, like high school and things like school came pretty easily. So I didn't really have any like study habits or anything that I can like really fall back on. Uh, so when university came, it was like a big rude awakening. I, I, was, t- I was like skipping class, like sleeping in and uh, my marks really kind of suffered from it. So uh, after first year, I kind of got kicked out of my program. So I was like in a general, like uh, non, uh, non-specified kind of degree. So I kind of had to kind of shape up a little bit and, and try to figure out like what's important and get my priorities kind of sorted out. And uh, luckily I worked hard in that second year, kind of got back into my stream into like the uh, kinesiology degree and um, kind of got through it that way. Um, yeah, in terms of, you know, getting into dentistry and stuff, uh, it was a bit of a, you know, it's, it's a bit of a tough decision. I, I wanted to do medicine for a long time. I think like a lot of dentists do, do probably. And um, I applied to, in Canada, I applied broadly, like in the, a lot of Canadians even go down to the Caribbean and stuff to do that um, and the U.S., uh, so I applied to Australia originally for medicine. And I remember uh, for the Melbourne Uni application, uh, it was literally like a sheet of paper and you like had to like fill in all your details and stuff. And there was a box on the top that said like uh, MD and like DDS. Um, and there was like no separate fee. So I was like, I might as well just take DDS as well. And then we'll kind of see what happens. <laughs> uh, so, you know, a few months go by and I get, in, I get my med offer. I was, I was pretty happy. And, you know, I put the deposit down and everything. Um, a month later, the dental offers come out. And I was like, wow, I don't know what to do. Um, So that was sort of like my entry into the dental world. I had no experience. I never shadowed anyone. I never assisted. Um, I particularly didn't like it that much. I don't think I didn't have any like ambition to be a dentist. So um, it was kind of cool. I kind of just jumped in like head first and
1: kind of figured it out along the way. So, how did you end up choosing the um, dental program? Because did you get into medicine in a few places as well? Yeah. So I, I, you know, I applied
0: for Canada for a cycle. I didn't get in. Uh, it's really competitive down in Canada. We have just, you know, the schools uh, haven't up, opened up too many spots. Um, so the the competition is like quite fierce. So a lot of people, you know, you have to have like you know near perfect GPAs, like good test scores, like volunteer work research and even nowadays a lot of people even have to do their master's degrees and things like that to to get in so it's getting like crazy out of hand um i you know i worked hard in my final few years and i just kind of like had the cutoffs to like be eligible to apply but i didn't really have like a, a shot of actually getting in i don't think so um that's why i started looking abroad you know at some programs in the u.s and the caribbean and in australia uh obviously australian schools are like you know quite you know well respected and you know good programs. So I, you know, I applied to like, uh, UQ, uh, Sydney and Melbourne for medicine and, you know, got into UQ and I got into Melbourne, um, and dentistry. I, I think I actually only applied to Melbourne cause I think Sydney had to pay separately for the DDS and, or the DMD and the uh, MD. So I actually didn't apply to Sydney. So I just kind of, all my, uh, I think, uh, yeah, Melbourne, uh, DDS was a free application. So I just, I rolled the dice and I said, let's see what happens. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of, you know, deciding between the two, um, one was like a practical choice, uh, you know, doing medicine outside of Canada and then trying to go back to Canada is a bit of a tricky road, uh, which I'm seeing with my wife now, cause she did, uh, medicine in Melbourne. So, um, you know, in terms of getting back into Canada for like residencies and like specializing and all that, it's quite tricky. Because, you know, there's limited spots and it's like a separate application pool for even if you're Canadian, if you studied abroad, you're considered uh, considered an uh, international medical graduate. Um, so, it's, you know, most of the spots are in family medicine. The top sort of specialties is quite hard to get in. Um, and I wanted to, you know, have the destiny in my own hands kind of, uh, so to speak. So i doing dentistry with uh, Australia New Zealand and I think Ireland is like a reciprocal agreement. Uh, so i was like if i do dentistry i say i know i can go back home i can move back and i can like practice in canada which was like a big uh, plus for me Um, uh, so that was the major one the second one uh you know one of my best friends dad's uh growing up was a dentist um so i, I kind of liked the lifestyle and he's always like a really cool guy to kind of chat with and um you know when i got both offers and i kind of had the decision i kind of went over this house and we just sat down on his uh, kitchen table and we drew like this mind map of like career projection and career arc and Uh, between doing med and dentistry. And it was like pretty much after that afternoon, that evening that I was there, I I remember driving home and I was like, that's it, I'm going to do dentistry. The smile (laughs) came on my face, especially when he told me like the expected salary of a new grad. So I think uh, he may have had a skewed view because he graduated like 20 years ago, but uh, still I was like, okay, if I do dentistry, it's going to be pretty sweet after that.
1: Yeah it's certainly better than medicine that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny how we meet these people and they they put us on that path like I um it, I worked for a dentist as a dental assistant had no idea I liked dentistry at all and then um, it was his influence that completely shaped my where I am. It's crazy. If you if you'd um, tick uh, DMD on the Sydney one, we would have been classmates. Yeah, so. that, would, that would have been pretty cool. You know, a, a couple of my like a good friend of mine also went there. Um, yeah, it's hard to see how life would
0: have been so different, like being in Sydney versus Melbourne. Like, it's it's funny how these little decisions kind of in life kind
1: of like create such so much separation, like where you end up. Yeah, Melbourne's a pretty cool city, though. Yeah. So there's so much I want to cover, but I want to go all the way back to to soccer. You like really good at soccer is that right i was okay i think <laughs> <laughs> i mean
0: i you know I, I was a goalkeeper and um you know the one thing with sports that you learn a lot i think and i looking back now I obviously have like a lot of like i'm upset that like maybe i didn't become like this or that Uh, I think learning how to fail is like really important. Um, And in sports, you know, you're growing up and you're you're constantly sort of, you know, trying out for teams and trying to make like provincial teams and national teams. And um, each time you kind of go through these steps is like, you know, you're like, I remember I was like 12 years old and that's like the first big uh, cut for like the, take the players into like the elite like provincial training programs um and i hadn't like hit my growth spurt yet uh, not that i'm huge now but i was pretty short for a goalkeeper so i didn't make that team and i was like kind of devastated at that time i was like 12 years old i thought like my life was over like all my kind of like my close friends made this team and they're like training with like professional coaches and all this stuff um and i'm just in the backyard kind of like, practicing against the wall still uh, you know, but then you kind of stick with it, right? If you're, if you care about something enough, you kind of keep working. And then, um, so I made like the youth team of like a professional team that we had in the city. So I kind of started developing in that sort of space. Um, and then eventually I think um, when I was in grade 12, I got invited out to the national team uh, to participate in the training camp. Um, and I didn't end up wow. making it in the end, but another failure. But I think that was like a cool <laughs> highlight for me. I just like the fact that I I made it there and and got to like participate for a few weeks with like some of the best players in the country. That was kind of cool for me
1: yeah that's pretty amazing i think I, I was so bad at soccer when i played you should ask my mates it's so <laughs> bad so I was, I was a board sports kind of guy yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah very different paths <laughs> in that regard so did you when you came to australia did you continue that sport soccer
0: yeah for sure i mean and you know sports is one of the best the best things about sports i think is like social the social aspect of it too it's always uh it's like a great tool to have to network and meet people. So um, when I got, when I moved here to Melbourne, I always started playing like in the Melbourne, like intramural, um, like futsal um, teams. Uh, just like with, a, I lived in college in first year, cause I didn't sort of know anyone or um, have any, anywhere else to kind of stay. So I played for like the college team. Um, and then, from there i kind of like got recruited to like play for like the university futsal team um uh, so we were playing like the domestic competitions and kind of like moving up the the league system that way um and then after a couple of years i like one of the like sort of like semi-pro teams like in the high, highest like level here they kind of like recruited me so i started playing with them for like last probably um like two and a half years i was in melbourne so it was like a cool uh, second life for me i think i would be like training and playing on the side like in front of like a small little crowd
1: um and then coming to school and then going back to dentistry so that was pretty cool yeah, that would have been quite the juggle, I can imagine. Yeah. So, so you, from Canada studied in Australia. A lot of people have done that. A third of our course was Canadian. I'm sure yours was the same. And I think it's even more now. Yeah, Tell us a bit true. about that process and how hard it was or easy it was to do that.
0: Yeah. So I think I mean, first of all, it's a great opportunity. I think um, you know, I had a dem- I was I had a random demonstrator like filling in for us in fourth year um uh, and i was speaking to a patient he's like oh your accent like where are you from i'm like oh from canada and i was explaining like this whole reciprocal agreement um and this like uh, elderly gentleman like uh, like picks his head up from the next like uh, chair over and he's like you know i was involved in that like decision making process i was like on the committee that like i was like well thank you <laughs> like, you know, allowed <laughs> me to be a dentist so i appreciate that um so yeah i mean i think probably there's as many graduates now like canadian grads from australian schools as like some of the bigger schools in Canada. So, um, you know, I think Melbourne, you need, like, when I was in fourth year, the first year cohort coming in, it was about 30 Canadians, which is like a lot. So, um, you know, it's going to create issues down the line with saturation and things like that, I'm sure, uh, as with anything, but, you know, it allows people who want the opportunity, who are like driven enough to actually like travel across the world and separate from their families and invest a heavy like financial kind of uh, investment into becoming a dentist. So, the opportunities, the the process is pretty streamlined. You know, you finish your degree here. Um, they offer the Canadian board exams in Sydney, so you can just travel to Sydney and write the boards um, over a weekend. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty fair exam. I think it's like a pretty high pass rate amongst the Australian kind of Canadian grads as well. So, um, and then you kind of just have to wait a few months to get your uh, degree and everything from the college in Canada, and then you're you're off to the races
1: yeah yeah okay i actually did those canadian board exams um myself yeah, so. just for fun um so, yeah just just for fun but to spend uh two grand or whatever it yeah. was um so how, how'd you find uni like what what were the good bits and the bad bits what advice would you have for students
0: yeah i mean down school was a it was a bit of a ride i mean i had fun in the social aspects of things um you know i in, in my undergrad because i kind of flunked out of my first year um i had an issue with like having a good group of friends like early on because they kind of I lost touch with my friends from first year because they were kind of moving on, and I was kind of in a random program, uh, taking arts classes and stuff. So uh, when I when I got to Melbourne, I was like, I made like a you know a conscious decision to like really be involved and try and get involved with like the student societies and things like that. Um, so that side of it was really cool, and I I learned a lot um, from that experience, you know. And I think it's probably playing in a role in the podcast and the things I've done since dental school because um, I think once you start doing these things, you kind of get that entrepreneurial itch a little bit too. And you're like, Oh, it's possible to like make these things happen. So, um, I think that was, that was a really cool experience and, uh, and, you know, valuable thing that I learned during down school academically, you know, first year in, in Melbourne anyways, like the program that we have, um, there's a lot of like random stuff that I just didn't find useful for me. Uh, anyways, there's a lot of like, comparative anatomy. And like, I remember like they line up all the, all these like skulls and we're like checking like the jaw and like the different tooth forms and things like that and i was like man like, this is so useless i really don't like this so um so that you know it wasn't until i think we got into the pre-clinic and we got the handpiece and we we're kind of like prepping teeth and 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 doing that and i was even at that i was pretty horrible to start but um the hands-on component was like wow this is like a fun thing we get to like play around it's like it's like uh it's like craft right you get to like perfect your craft so sure. Um, you know, once that started going, pre-clinic was fun. And then, you know, once you get into like, th- like probably um, second or third year, uh, you're learning like the different uh, specialties like endo and surgery. Uh, and you're seeing patients in the clinic. Uh, so that was really cool. All of that put together, I think. You know, the latter years of dental school was like a really great experience. Um, it was quite challenging, uh, especially like oral medicine and things. Like, I still have nightmares, probably like trying to come up with a list of like, differentials for like white lesions and red lesions and stuff. So, um,
1: did, did you guys have VIVA exams?
0: Oh, man. I, yeah. We had, uh, we had oral med uh, VIVAs in uh, end of third year. Uh, and that was probably the hardest things. I've never been so stressed in my life. Uh, I remember like the night before, I was like literally like lying on the floor, like in the apartment. I was like, there's no way I'm going to pass this thing. Like, I, I, know, I know nothing. I don't know anything. Like, um, And sure enough, I got to the exam and it was like, they had the picture up. It was like an oral surgery one on one monitor. It was about wisdom teeth and things. And I was like, okay, I got this one. And it was like a random white spot lesion on like the palate. Um, and I, I didn't know it. And I was like, oh, man, I, you know you don't know it. So I was like, yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. You can't bullshit when you're talking to someone. Yeah, it was yeah. so like, somehow they passed me, so that was good. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, must have, I must have done well in the wisdom tooth part of things. things.
1: yeah yeah smash half of it that's perfect yeah I think uh, I think most dental students um, or dentists now have have memories of the viva exams and it's it's usually a nightmare of some kind but yeah um, we all got through and it's just another part of it <laughs> yeah so so you graduated in uh, 2016 as did I um, and you went back to Canada is that right
0: yeah, that's right. So you know, um, graduated in twenty sixteen December. Uh, had a couple weeks of like pretty intense kind of studying um, for the for, for the Canadian board exams, and um, yeah, luckily I, you hear back on like Christmas Day or something too. It's just kind of cruel like, if you don't do well. So uh, luckily, I passed that. So um, you know, I send all the paperwork in uh, to the Canadian, like the uh, Royal College of Dental Surgeons um, in Canada, and you know, once that kind of came through uh, started working. So I was working, um, I was pretty eager to get started. And I think that's where my kind of mistake comes. Um, and we'll get into like the job kind of stuff, I'm sure a little bit later. Um, you know, cause all my Australian friends were working for like a few months and I was still kind of just sitting at home and like watching TV and stuff. So I was pretty anxious to get going. So I kind of just took the first few jobs that I got offered. Um, so it was a bit of shuffling for the first few months to kind of get into a good opportunity and, and the right practice for me. Um, but it was a good experience. I think, you know, Culturally, it's very similar. The dentistry is very similar. Um, the only kind of difference is there's not as much Fuji or like GIC is not used that commonly, <laughs> well, which is like, because that's like a great material. So, and then in Australia, we use it for like everything, literally. So I was like, it's kind of struggling with that. But apart from that, it was a pretty uh, seamless transition, I think.
1: Yeah. So the dentistry you find, uh, obviously people have the same teeth but then um there's a few differences i wanted to ask about like i know the hygiene practices or, or practices with hygienists sorry are much more popular and you'll often run either two chairs or have the hygienist and go into their room for the for the consult um tell us a bit about those differences yeah
0: so that's uh that's definitely a great point uh, it's a big difference you know and I, having started off in that kind of model, coming to Australia was a bit of a struggle too, like having to do my own cleans and stuff. Um, I didn't take it too well at the start. I was like, why am I doing cleans? Like, it's a waste of, like, yeah, what a waste of my, time. <laughs> my training and blah, blah, blah. But you kind of, uh, it fills your books, I guess, which is good. But yeah, yeah, so in Canada, you know, most practices, the model is, you know, there's one or two hygiene. And, you know, as a business owner, the hygiene kind of runs your, covers your overhead. So it's a great model, like financially from the business sense, you know, if if the practice is running well, um, whatever the dentist produces is like bonus and that's sort of his profit. Um, And the hygiene just covers, you know, the overhead expenses for the practice, which is pretty sweet. So, you know, as an associate, uh, it's a bit of a learning curve because you're in your chair, you got your own one or two columns that you're doing and, you know, in between procedures, you got to duck out and, and go to see the hygienist to do checks and recalls and all that. So, um, you know, for production wise, it's pretty good because you don't spend that much time for like whatever in Australia, we have, like your own one twos and stuff because uh, everything's kind of already done. The extras are done. You just kind of walk in and quickly look at the bite wings and then talk to the patient. And 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 usually if the hygienist is pretty good at their job, like they've already diagnosed it for you. So you kind of just be like, yeah, that makes sense That yeah, do that. And you kind of move on. Um so that's good in that sense. I think the only negative uh, is the is the uh, sort of the rapport building side of it, especially if you're busy in your books. It's tough to spend the time with the patient to really uh, build that trust and rapport for like bigger cases, uh, especially as a new grad, if you probably don't have the confidence to kind of walk in and be like, yeah, you need like three crowns and just walk out of the room, um, you probably, you probably got to build a little bit more relationship first. So it might take a bit longer. Um, but, you know, in Australia, I think that's the plus because you're doing the hygiene, you're spending the time. Um, so you're more likely to get, case acceptance, I think on a lot of like bigger things. Um, so that's, yeah, pretty much the main difference is that way you got to kind of time it out. So in the middle of your procedure, like after you etch or something, you got to quickly leave the room and like come back in and like, kind of keep going. Uh, so you, I, I kind of forget now, like I had like good mm. uh, points in the treatment role, like, okay, so we just got to let this sit for a few minutes on the tooth and then I'll come. And
1: like, so the patient shouldn't really know that you're just like leaving treatment to go do other things uh, as well. So, but it's more, it's more ex- accepted, isn't it? In um, Canada, like most practices do it that way. So patients expect that to happen. Because uh, I couldn't imagine that working particularly well in, in Australia. I'm sure it could, but you'd have to train your staff, st- I mean, your patients into it. Um, we, we've got hygienists um, at our practice, so I don't do many cleans. But uh, we still see our 0 one like regular recall exams in our room um even if they're still if even if they're getting hygiene at the same time yeah um, and i think i think that is important although of course you could do it the other way but you want to be building that rapport and these recall cases are the ones that sometimes will turn from someone who's happy with their aesthetics to something much more significant and that's only if you've got the time to chat with them and to actually find that out
0: yeah for sure so uh, yeah i think it's a big system like change In, i mean, Canada. I, I would say ninety-five percent of practices have hygienists. Like it's, it's very common. Very, like it's. I think it's weird. Like a patient would find it weird. I think if they come into the practice, then the dentist is doing the clean. Um, one is probably we're not that good at it. Uh, yeah, let's but, be honest. That's yeah, true. like the, the hygienist, like they they book an hour. Like here in can like in Australia, like we book like thirty minutes to do a clean. And like a check and bite wings or forty minutes, whatever it may be. Um, the hygienists in Canada pretty much spend an hour, like standard. So they're like hand scale everything, and uh, so it's like a different experience altogether. I think.
1: That's a good point. They've got the rapport, so in the end, it does work out. I guess as long as you're working with a good team, and and you know you've got a really good hygienist who can talk their your patients through bigger treatments. So you've um you're now in Australia but tell us about the first few practices you did make a comment before that you said um you made a mistake by basically accepting what first came across your plate tell us about that yeah
0: so i mean it was a it's a big journey i uh, you know i was uh, after we graduated and I wrote the exams um i was traveling for a little bit for a couple of months i was in like in europe uh, my wife's from france so we were kind of there and I was like applying for jobs online. And uh, this one practice was opening up uh, like near my hometown, like five, 10 minutes from where I lived, uh, like a start, like a scratch practice opening up. And they're looking for like a principal dentist. If In the first month, I saw three patients. So I'm just, so I, I'm i sitting there in the back office. Uh, luckily, there's a computer. So uh, I signed up to like, uh, I signed up to like AGD and like dental uh uh, what's it called, uh, X- Dental XP, I think. And I was, like, doing all these online courses. I'm like, well, I have nothing else to do. So I was, like, racking up, like, c- CPD hours like crazy. Um, but I, my hand skills were, like, zero because I, I
1: haven't, like, seen a patient.
0: Yeah. Did you start
1: your podcast in that
0: time? <laughs> uh, no, I should have. But in I was procrastinating. I was like... <laughs> Uh, no, not procrastinating. I was, I was, doing CPD, but I wasn't like thinking about that. I was just kind of pissed off that I wasn't seeing patients. Um, so, I, so you know, I was there for a, literally, I think I was there for like six weeks and I told yeah. the boss, like, I can't work, like, I'm not seeing patients. I gotta quit. So I quit that place. I left that practice and, um, I sort of got a job with like a corporate chain, um, nice practice, like right in the city, like in like, tr- uh, midtown Toronto, like really kind of high-end looking practice. Um and you know, it was a little bit busier, but there was no principal there. I had like no mentorship that he owned like eight practices or something like, which is pretty common in Canada, I guess now. Um, so again, I wasn't super busy. So I was there for maybe like three or four months uh, and I, I was just doing kind of fillings and like clean, like checks and stuff like no, like maybe one or two crowns and things like that. So I wasn't really clinically uh, getting much experience either. So um, I ended up leaving that practice and then I kind of moved outside the city, like 45 minutes North of where I lived. Um, a really nice, like, well-established practice. I was like 20 years old, um, that multiple associates. Um, and they would just feed me patients, like mostly just fillings and restorative, but I was like f- constantly booked, um, a good production, good experience, good mentorship. Um, so that was like my first good job after probably about f- like five months of working. And I was finally like getting my hands wet and trying things and learning things. And I had a really good nurse and the nurse had been a nurse for like 20 years. So she helped me a lot as well, like streamlined the process. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's so true. They, they like that's such a good tip. Your nurse when you if you're a new graduate, if you have an experienced nurse, which hopefully you do. Yeah. You they will help you so much. Like they might just be holding the right instrument and you're in your mind like uh what's next and 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 it just it just flows and you think oh thank you it's just so good i've worked with a few really good and I,
0: like you know i think you know like we probably we talked about it was like you to be quite humble i think especially when you're first starting out sure. um so you have i have
1: to take I, their advice yeah, yeah so
0: i tell the nurse i'm like what does the principal do and she's like oh she goes like he goes like this and i'm like okay give me that one i'll use the same thing like I, I don't know like so it's like a personal like cheat sheet to have so um, so that was great. I really enjoyed that practice. I was really sad, you know, when I like, moved back to Australia to like kind of leave that, cause I thought that'd be a practice where you can kind of be there for a long time and kind of grow into it and, uh, mm-hmm. eventually like buy in and stuff like that. So that was really good. Um, another job that I got was like an emergency practice, uh, in my hometown. Um, so I was there on Sundays. Um, the, the principal was like a prosthodontist who also kind of did general dentistry as well. Um, and that was like, by far the best like experience i ever had you know a lot of extractions a lot of pulpectomies uh, a lot of endo and anything like he'd be there doing admin stuff on the sundays that i was there so anything that I'd- walked in i had no clue what to do like re-cementing like veneers and posts and like all these things he would just come in and he's like a gun so he's just like yeah you go like this this and this and then it works every time like a treat um so i learned like i really learned dentistry from him like he taught me a lot of dentistry so i'm like really like forever grateful to him for for teaching me all that so um i think that's the main tip of it i mean for new grads like listening one is like even if you are a little bit overly eager and you get a job, um, don't be afraid to move on pretty quickly. Don't stay, don't stay around if you're not happy or if you're not growing clinically. Um, and two is like mentorship is like everything you got to try and find yeah. an opportunity in the practice or in one of your practices that you have someone there who has a little bit more experience you know, who can actually teach you a few thing or two that uh, you didn't pick up in dental school. Cause it makes a big difference in your sort of uh, growth trajectory.
1: For sure. There's only so much we can learn in dental school. They they teach us to be safe clinicians but they don't teach us everything obviously they don't have time they do a good job with what they've got and having someone there you know to, to help you out if something goes wrong or just someone you can ask the right questions to i think it's important also you, you if you are looking for a mentor don't expect them to like give you some scaffold mentoring program you need to make it work for them you need to be able to go to them when they've got time don't waste their time ask the right questions do your own research and and then you'll get the right outcome. I think some people kind of just expect it to be handed to them and I don't think it's going to work that way.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, you know, with the podcast too, when I first started, um, I was like reaching out to a lot of people and, you know, And I, and like we, we mean, you've talked about before, like we're really, both of us are quite big on like, you know, self-improvement and things like that. So I I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to like a lot of interviews and things. Um, And one of the guys that really early on sort of the social media marketing kind of stuff is uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Gary V. Um, So his like whole, you know, concept of like, you know, uh, like the thank you economy, like, and like jab, 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 right hook his books and stuff that he wrote is like, in any relationship, you have to bring the value to get value out of it. You can't just approach someone and be like, "Help me do this." Um, you need to offer offer something to someone so they have incentive to actually help you back as well. So um, that's sort of like that's how I started the podcast. Um, that's how I got to, like some like my early like bigger like profile guests and things. Is you got to approach people with ideas and tips to help them or help them out in some way and then they'll reciprocate that so um and i and i see a lot of young people who are really bad at that unfortunately uh even people i had like uh, people message me on instagram like once i kind of start growing the podcast a little bit and they're like oh how much money do you make or how much this and that um earn some guy from he was a dental student at the university of toronto he's like you know if you if you want to uh, grab lunch with me i'd be open to the upper uh, the idea of it i was like what like you messaged me like that's such a weird thing to, that's a weird thing to say to someone
1: <laughs> yeah well uh, communication is a pretty important part to being a successful dentist and uh, one of the things that worries me about the way that universities accept um their intake is that they look mostly at you know, just marks and and none of that, that EQ or that, you know, that um, communication and and empathy and all that. And, yeah, I think think that dude might have missed it. Sorry, buddy. (laughs) Um, I wish them luck in his future career. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Yeah, he might need to do a course with Mark, I said. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So so Canada to Australia, you moved. um, Is is that because um, your wife studying medicine, um, and she's continuing on that path here. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's right. So um, she started off a year after I did. And um, so sort of in her final year, uh, they have a research component. So she came to Canada for six months to do that at the uh, Children's Hospital in Toronto. And uh, after that, she had to move back to Melbourne to finish off her second semester. And then she kind of uh, got into internship and things here. So um, it just kind of made more sense for like for her career and for like both of us really uh, not to be apart. So I just kind of moved back um, in May of last year.
1: May of last year. Okay. And so, in Australia, you've um, you've had more than one role as well. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'm currently, I haven't left any
0: jobs. Um, so, I'm working in like three practices. <laughs>
1: what I'm getting at is I know you work really, really hard yeah. and <laughs> uh, it, I'm in awe and I'm also, I'm sure I couldn't do it myself. But so, three practices. Tell us about the practices you're in now
0: yeah so look i mean I, I think it's coming to an end soon in terms of me working so many days uh, in canada i was working seven days a week um at, wow. the, at the peak of it and on a couple of days a week i would work in like two practices um i worked in the morning i worked in the and i think you had a uh, like a uh, uh, nav on your podcast and he was talking he's, he did so that's when he told me that when he's talking about burnout i was like oh man i gotta like really reconsider really things because yeah for my first year i was working in at points four practices and i was working like a morning shift from like eight to two and then a three to nine shift at a different practice and a couple of days a week and i was doing seven days um because to me that was like boot camp I was like i need to get my clinical skills i need to be doing as much work as possible to like get my hand skills kind of going and and, and learning things and experiencing it and, you know now that you know we're a couple of years out you kind of the baselines there you know how to do things i think it's more you know and it's more quality over quantity now so Uh, while I've been doing, I've been doing six days for the past, you know, about a year now in Australia. Um, I'm hopefully I'm trying to cut that back soon and, uh, trying to focus on, you know, working on, you know, learning dentistry, like in terms of doing more CPD and things as well. And, you know, I think you have more energy at work. You're more productive at work if you're not overworked or burnt out. So I think I'm trying to get that better uh, work-life balance for myself as well.
1: I think we're all different. Some people can handle that a lot better than others. And I know you've worked hard in your childhood with soccer and, and school at the same time and all the rest of it. Um, I, I Personally, I, I don't think I could do that. I currently work, um, f- uh, you call it four and a half days or nine-day fortnight. Um, that suits me really well. I work hard when I'm at work um, and then when I'm not, you know, I, I can take a breather, so to speak. Um I think burnout is is a real risk and I think a lot of us come out of dental school, university just ready to get at it but you will very quickly find yourself in that, uh, that difficult situation in, in my opinion. And I've even experienced periods of time where I'm starting to get over it a bit and i know it's just because i'm having you know a couple difficult cases in a long week and it's um yeah you can definitely feel it so you felt like you've experienced a little bit of burnout coming up i guess um what's your plan with that
0: yeah i mean you know you always hear about it and you know it's it's talked about a lot and you know it's you know, initially, like you said, you know, I've always had like a high motor for like just trying to work a lot and and do a lot and take on a lot. Um, I mean, in like dental school, I worked like 30 hours a week, uh, like part-time jobs. Um, And I was kind of used to like just go, go, go all the time. Uh, But, you know, clinical dentistry is different. Um, I think the the stressor of it is different. Uh, It's not like you're just doing things and you're busy. It's just the constant like stress of the, you know, work, like clinical procedures and things that you're kind of dealing with. And, you know, I, I, I'm starting to kind of feel it a little bit. And then, you know, the podcast they had with uh, Nav, like, you know, he really made some great points about like starting to hate dentistry. And that's why he became a business owner and multiple practice owners. So you can actually like stop practicing uh, clinical dentistry. So, I mean, I don't want to get to that point. I, like I love clinical dentistry. Uh, you know, and reasons I started the podcast was to talk dentistry and, and, you know, I think it's important to kind of keep that passion for what you're doing and, you know, the feeling of burnout sometimes can get in the way of that. So, you know, my my plan is obviously, I'm gonna try and reduce some days. Uh, so over the next few months, I'm gonna start to cut back. Um, I think hopefully like cut back to five pretty soon and then drop to four. I think four is like a good balance, uh, especially, you know, like, you know, yourself too. Like we got some like side things that we we're doing and we enjoy doing uh, with the podcast. And and like I got the Newbie Dentist Study Club um, and hopefully some other conferences and things coming up as well. So. Uh, I think it's important to follow those passions as well. Uh, If you're constantly working, one is you don't have time to like grow yourself. Uh, I think if you're just getting to that, like um, the rat race of just like work, 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 um, you don't have time to take a step back and be like, okay, let's uh, over the next three months, I want to, Get better at like prosthodontics, and then you get some textbooks, or you're doing some online CPD. Um, so I think you act, like maybe in the short term you're making more money and you're more productive. But I think long term, if you kind of step back and zoom out a little bit, you'll see that you're probably not as productive in your career if you're overworking yourself. So yeah,
1: that's that's a really good point. In our early years, we um, you know even though we might be tru- producing fairly well and earning good money, it's nothing compared to what we'll be later on when we're more efficient doing more complex procedures. So if you're just working for the sake of working and just smashing it out, you don't have time to work on on yourself or on, you know, your own understanding, new procedures and all the rest of it. And so you're stifling yourself. And they say, you know, 10,000 hours um, to be an expert, but those 10,000 hours need to be focused and need to be actually, you know, to learn more. And I I I personally, and I don't know if you agree, but I find the, the more I work, the less I can have the capacity to um, to do CPD or to do like online learning or any of that kind of stuff. And like you said, you know, we both enjoy our podcasts and, and what we're trying to do for students and new grads. So that takes a bit of time as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the 10,000 hour rule is it's awesome with uh, Malcolm Gladwell. Um, but I think you know they talk about, it, like you said, it's, it's, it's not just the hours it's targeted practice. So you need to be specifically doing things and, and doing it with a goal in mind and not just kind of going through the motions. Um, yeah, look, I think dentistry is is great, but it's stressful work. I mean, one is like it's physically hard on your body, like that you your back and your shoulders and your neck, and you'll feel it after a few days of work. Uh, and if you're ongoing and not giving yourself enough recovery time, uh, that's one side of it. Uh, it's physical. Second is mental. Uh, obviously, like the focus required for procedures and the stress of procedures. Uh, literally last night, man, I... I mean, I work six days in a row, and then I have two days off because it's a long weekend. I, I'm doing this like big case of like a couple of bridges and things. Um, and literally last night, I had a, ne- a dream that I was going to cement the bridge, and uh, one of the teeth that I was like as the abutment tooth for this bridge like came out. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, like what do I do now? <laughs> like my whole like my whole bridge. So I woke up <laughs> in like a sweat, man. So look, like, I, I that's that's an ominous sign
1: yeah yeah i've definitely had um i've had cases that have made made me um or affected my sleep a little bit um i've never had one where i dreamed the tooth came out that's a good one i like that (laughs) Um, but it does show that like it is very much a mentally draining profession especially if you're trying to do really good work and and trying to expand your boundaries at the same time um i I find with um dentistry i've been surprised at how emotionally draining it can be particularly with um for me personally if i'm treating um, kids or a difficult kid I find that to be a really difficult appointment mentally um, especially if the poor kid has like you know gross caries and it's really not their fault and then you've, you've got to do your best to work with them and sometimes you know you just can't do it and that that is emotionally difficult so there's a lot that goes into it physical emotional mental it's, it's we're in an interesting profession and, and we've, there's some awesome things about dentistry we earn great money we Um, you know we can have flexibility with our time and and all of this but um it does come with a cost i mean you've got we've got to recognize that i think and um and manage that you know otherwise well that's why mental health is such a big issue in in uh, dentistry as well
0: for sure i think you know the the kids one's great um you know, I'm I'm just kind of waiting for the point of my in my career where I can just be like, I, I'm not seeing kids. I'm sorry, <laughs> uh, it's it's so it's stressful. I mean, yeah, like you said, the kids are coming in; they're not happy to be there. Obviously, um, the parents don't really do a great job. I think of like preparing them to come in, um, or like the threats, like oh, if you don't like. Cooperate? They're gonna pull the tooth. I'm like that's not helping. <laughs> um, no, that's
1: definitely not helping. There's so much the parents do that is not helping. Oh,
0: that's, I think that's a big area of like exploration. I, I mean, I'm sure it's mm-hmm. it's a known thing that you gotta coach the parents as much as the the kids and things like that. But um, that's a big one. And you know, in Australia, there's like that gray spot, which I think is quite frustrating. So uh, I'm sure, like you know, we have like the uh, CDBS program for you know kids that come in with uh, some government allotted funds those kids that you can't see in the chair that they don't tolerate it. and then if you refer them off i don't think the specialists accept cdbs um do they like if I'm, not, i don't so that, believe they do so that's like that's such a weird and that's a very like stressful thing cuz you think you're not doing right by them if you can't treat them in the chair um and then if you send them off they're not going to go a lot of times for of financial reasons and things um so then the child's kind of stuck
1: in limbo without treatment uh so yeah definitely the kid side of it yeah, I've seen that multiple times and it's um, it's really sad. I had one the other day actually where there was a six-year-old who had multiple carious lesions identified when he was four years old um, and he came in, nothing had been treated. Luckily, it, it seemed to have almost stabilized maybe. But um, then there was his four-year-old brother who at the time was two, they would talk to him about why this was happening. It was bottle feeding at night with um, milk. And, um, and then the, the four-year-old now who was two at the time has the exact same problem um anything but we it's like which obviously didn't get through yeah um yeah it's really sad so um it's definitely that's a stressful part of our work let's uh switch um switch gears so the podcast tell us about the podcast and why you started it and what's going on
0: yeah so you know uh it's been a fun ride i started the uh, newbie dentist uh, podcast uh, i think it was late 2017 um uh, i'd kind of wanted to do it for a long time i was procrastinating Um, You know, with these things, it's it's a little bit tricky. Like, it's hard to you know put yourself out there and like create content, Um, as I'm sure you're experiencing now. Like, kind of starting it off, you know, you're not sure like will anyone listen, will anyone care. Um, So that kind of the self-doubt, like imposter syndrome thing, kind of kicks in a bit. Uh, So you know, finally, I decided to like bite the bullet and kind of get it going. Um, Sort of my strategy was. You know, I was really big into like I like Gary Vee and his like social media stuff. So uh, for me, it was like a fun marketing kind of thing. So I started off with the um, uh, Instagram page, the Newbie Dentist Instagram account. Um, and I started just posting like terrible quality photos of like my work with like intraoral cameras and like iPhones and like uh, just like really low production value. Um, but it was nice. I mean, I grew it to, I think it was about like a thousand sort of um, followers uh, when I launched the podcast. So the, the idea was, you know, have some sort of a base that when you launch a podcast, you at least have some sort of an audience um, as a starting point anyways. And so, yeah, Instagram's really been like the main ecosystem for the podcast. Um, most of the listeners are you know, pretty active on most of the, uh, the guests are pretty active on Instagram. So um, that's where I recruit them and kind of meet them and we do the shows that way.
1: It's quite a community on instagram that i I must admit i, I hadn't explored as much as you had yeah. and you you probably think I'm just some old timer because of that although I'm your age but yeah. um <laughs> so like interestingly i I know a lot of people through the Facebook streams and that's the area that I'm kind of you know discussing with my guests so um yeah it's interesting we're kind of doing parallel um pathways at the moment i think yeah
0: i think i was, uh, I was giving you <laughs> yeah i was giving you a hard time for being on facebook so <laughs> i think uh, all your guests are like plus 40 surely by this
1: point so. <laughs> all, they've all got the experience of yeah past yeah the yeah so you know uh,
0: yeah instagram's awesome i i it's so it's so open uh it's all visual uh it's not a lot of text and stuff uh so people are i think there's less like criticism on on there uh, it's a bit of a healthier i think more supportive Community than some of the Facebook groups and stuff that I see, uh, especially I think with the with the cranky old timers, sometimes like, they get they get pretty nasty on like some of the Australian like uh, DPR groups and stuff like that. When people are kind of brave enough to post a case, um, they don't always get support, which I think is a little bit disheartening uh, for the community. But um, I've found Instagram to be quite quite nice and quite friendly and and a good place to kind of share cases and and find mentors and things. So um, yeah, in terms of the podcast, you know, I started off, um, just interviewing like general dentists, um, in Canada, really trying to get like a Canadian sort of podcast download base going. And, uh, from there I just kind of branched out into the U S and then kind of like internationally getting some dentists from the UK, um, in Asia and Australia, obviously. And yeah, it's been, you know, I think I'm about like 35 or six episodes in now and it's, it's been growing nicely. it's just cool to, you know, have people messaging you from like around the world and kind of uh, saying that they learned a thing or two from the podcast. And, and that value that you can kind of uh, create and, and introduce to the dental community is pretty cool and a nice legacy to leave behind, I think.
1: Yeah, it's really awesome. You've done a good job I and mean, you've got quite a few podcasts out there now. Uh, I really I really like what you're doing. Um, you. So you, you obviously listen to a lot of podcasts. What What other podcasts do you recommend? Yeah, so I mean... In the dental ones,
0: there is a lot now. Uh, you know, my my first sort of podcasts were like Howard Friends, uh, Dental Town, uh, Mark Costas, uh, Dental uh, Jesse Green with the Savvy Dentist. Uh, those are like the main three, and that was because you know, in in dental school, especially in fourth year, I was really interested in the business side of dentistry, and I, and so I was just consuming that those podcasts and also the uh, Shared Practices podcast. Um, so there's like so many great resources and you pick up a lot of things and you kind of feel like these people are like your best friends, or your mentors, because you got their voice in your head all day. Um, and it's cool. You know, I mean, with the podcast, I've had the pleasure of like meeting some of these people and then interacting with like Jesse Green. Um, Howard Fran was like my role model for a long time. And I got a chance to like have dinner with him in Toronto and, and have. Oh, wow. That's and, awesome. and go on his podcast. Um, so it's just it's cool. I think, you know, once you put yourself out there, it's a positive think that you know if good things kind of come and opportunities kind of open up for you which is quite nice
1: yeah i've listened to a lot of those podcasts and have the same kind of experience i think um other ones i I, i've listened to there's the dental guys which is really clinical um but but i found that to be pretty good and then dental hacks as well which um there's a lot of banter and stuff but i've enjoyed a lot of their stuff and they've been around a long time
0: yeah dental hacks is great they're they're killing it i think they're like well over a million dollars now so wow
1: Yeah, they're definitely the biggest. Yeah, is that the goal? Is that newbie (laughs) Dennis? going to that?
0: (laughs) If I if I get to a hundred thousand, I think yeah, I'd I'd be pretty happy. But millions, uh, it's a ways off, I think for sure. (laughs) That's pretty
1: awesome. Yeah. So, um, so what's the the future like? Um, well, I guess clinically, are you ever planning on specialising or anything like that?
0: Uh, probably not at this point. Um, you know, I was pretty keen on oral surgery, uh, during dental school. So like one of my friends and I, like we're like dead set on like max facts for a long time. Um, and then, you know, you know, you kind of get out of school and you, you get out of the study mode. Um, and I struggle now, like i I bought a textbook the other week and I'm trying to read it and I last like 10 minutes and then my attention span has gone. So, um, I, I don't see myself like doing like a formal academic a specialty um but I, you know obviously I, I think it's important to keep growing skills and stuff by like cpd and things like that so um i'll definitely do that route and like maybe do some structured sort of cpd programs um but like a formal academic uh specialty i don't think that's in the cards what about yourself
1: yeah, yeah i feel the same way I, I actually i got into this as a dental assistant um working with a general dentist and i really like that broad spectrum you can see your patients for most if not all of the procedures and yeah. And, and continue that relationship. I've also worked for specialists as an assistant as well and, and really noticed that um, um, incongruity with your patients. Like you, you meet them, you treat them, you review them, they're done. And yeah. that, that I found that actually a little bit, even this I only worked for one, this one I'm thinking of for six months. And I, I really noticed that it's not as fun. So how about for newbie dentists and, and the podcast and things like that?
0: Yeah. So for the podcast, you know, I've always liked like, to have like little targets to kind of aim for, um, you know, and they're like small steps, like, you know, like reaching like 10000 downloads was like a big milestone. That was kind of cool when I got there. Yeah, awesome. um, and, you know, my next one was like a hundred episodes. So uh, I've slowed down pace a little bit. I need to pick it up. But um, yeah, I think if I can get to a hundred episodes, I think that'd be, that'd be cool. Uh, long-term, I think the newbie dentist as like a brand is something that I want to develop into like, courses and conferences and things like that um and collaborate with like other 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 courses and things too which i think is a great opportunity um but the podcast itself i think the coolest thing that i can kind of envision long term is to, like pass it on to somebody else um in a in a year or two who's like a new grad as well who's like driven equally driven uh, so i think that'd be cool if they can live on independent of me that'd be sort of like the main goal for it um you know it's not really like a money-making endeavor at this point so um i think just like the content and the community that it's it's created. It's like its own little entity now. Uh, it would be cool if it lived on with somebody else at least.
1: That's a really cool vision. I've never thought of that or heard of that. That's really cool. Uh, I'd like to see where it ends up. And definitely the the idea of trying to help. So you know organize courses or organize things um i think that's something we mutually um share as well so um when you do podcasts you like to finish with a rapid fire so i'm going to just throw those questions back at you let's do it um (laughs) your first one often is what's your favorite pizza topping pizza topping
0: i have a weird one and we made some pizzas last night um (laughs) and it's definitely red onion i would say
1: red onion that's (laughs) so funny it gives a lot of flavor to the pizza it really brings it to life i can see what you're saying fair enough <laughs> favorite band or artist? Uh favorite band, you know, uh I think classic rock's pretty big
0: because my dad was a big uh, classic rock fan, so I grew up listening to like Pink Floyd and the Beatles and like Zeppelin and stuff. Um I was a huge Pink Floyd fan. Like I had posters on my on my wall of like the Dark Side and Moon, like pyramid and and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I would yeah. say uh, I would say it'd be um
1: Pink Floyd. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Good choice. Um what's your favorite tooth to work on?
0: Favorite tooth to work on. I was thinking about this uh probably like a upper six i would say yeah, yeah i'm probably the same one six or two six um so i'm left-handed so for me for me i think the is it the probably the two six is easier for uh no sorry the one six is yeah the one yeah. six is easier for like indirect vision um yeah. the two six is a struggle because you're like retracting it's just like it's tough to work with uh that side i think same. i could be the opposite for you i guess
1: exactly yeah it's exact opposite two six is a favorite and one six is a bit tricky so yeah there's some some ways you can hold your hands and support with your other hand at the same time that can help um, yeah. I might do a blog post on that sometime soon um, so what if not dentistry what would you be doing um, um, I'd probably say like soccer player that's awesome yeah, yeah. I definitely can't say soccer player <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the most impactful book you've read Ooh.
0: Uh, probably I would say rich dad, poor dad. Um, like Robert Kiyosaki. Um, that that one, you know. Um, and I must admit, I've I didn't read it, it as an audio book, but <laughs> uh, just you know, it's and it's you know well quoted as being like one of the top like business books of all time, and not because it's like very technical or anything like that. It's very basic, fundamental like principles of you know what's an asset, what's a liability, and like how to accumulate wealth. Um, so I I, I truly like, I think. Like when I have kids, I'll give them like they should read that like an elementary school or like high school because it's it's very basic. But I think the mindset of how to create wealth and not, um, you know, just be working perpetually like uh, is a big one. Uh, so I think definitely the definitely Rich that Poor Dad, I would say, is the is the book.
1: It's funny. I've listened to listened to like audio which is the future of books for sure. But yeah. um, and uh, read like tons and tons of these style of books, but I haven't actually read that one or listened to that well, one. Well, you have to. Crazy, but yeah, I know. I've heard so much about it. It's quite a pioneering book for its time as yeah. well.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a great principle, and I think you can't go wrong with it as a, yeah. as, a as a choice.
1: What's the procedure in dentistry that makes you think, "Why am I doing this?" <laughs> Some days it's everything, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> definitely. <laughs> um
0: that's tough i think like i mean endo i love like it's like a love hate thing i know most people would probably say endo i i don't it's not that for me i would probably say it's like a tough like a three seven like d o l and you gotta like put a rubber dam on because you're trying to do things the right way um and it just sucks like nothing's fun about that (laughs)
1: Yeah, fair enough. I think a lot of people say endo, but endo is all right when it's going well. It's just that when it's like, it's the one where things can maybe not go so well. Uh, (laughs) Make sure you know your endodontist and have a good relationship. That's pretty important. Well, thank you so much, Amid, for spending um, an hour with us. Um, I I really appreciate what you're doing, and it's been really good to meet you and, and have a good chat. So, all the best to the podcast and everything you do in the future. Thank you again.
0: Yeah. Thanks, David. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm excited for to see your growth and uh, and where you're going to take things with your podcast. And um, I've subscribed already. So I, I recommend uh, your listeners subscribe if they haven't already. And uh, uh, I leave you a good review as well. I think that'll help. And you got to hopefully re- return the favor. That'd be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's
1: yeah. what they say. You got to ask for reviews, but yeah. um, that's not been something I do yet. Yeah. <laughs> um. But thank you. You take care. See, All right. Take care.